You're listening to the Getting Swamped Podcast. Your number one podcast for Florida Gator football. Scared money don't make money. Okay, I think, um, you know, nobody likes to lose. You know, in particular, that group of people in that locker room, right, especially when you work as hard as they do, uh, when you're loyal to each other, right, and you commit to each other and you give your very best effort uh, in a lot of ways. Um, there's a lot of opportunities out there where our, our group could have folded their cards today, but they kept swinging. Um, can't compliment the uh, effort, the physicality, um, you know, the competitive spirit, right, the togetherness. Um, you know, I think we need to execute a little bit better and we need to coach a little bit better, okay, in particular myself today. I think I can do better for our team, for our players. Um, you know, but I, I do think although we lost the game, I think we grew up a little bit today, uh, in my opinion, um, just relative to actually flipping the switch and competing, right? Um, when you combine offense and defense and special teams today, we didn't do enough to win, right? Uh, we gave up a few cheap ones. We left points out there on offense. Um, you know, in the kicking game, you know, I think uh, probably we didn't do anything that changed the game today. Um, so, you know, a lot of credit to Tennessee. Um, you know, but I think when we go back and watch the film, uh, there's going to be 12 to 15 plays where Florida beats Florida tonight. Um, and I think when you think about that, you think about coaching, right? And uh, that's my responsibility. Um, I love that group in that locker room, right? Uh, I really do. I love the competitive spirit that they have, right? Um, and you know what they did? They did what we asked them to do today. Uh, they went on the road. Uh, we brought 70 here today, and uh, we put the ball down, and they competed. Did we play perfect? No. We didn't do enough to win. So, um, no moral victories. No moral victories. So, back to work. No moral victories is correct for this Florida Gators football team. And I'll say this. I'm not really upset. I guess today I'm in a good mood. I'm not really upset about the game itself. And I said this on Twitter. I said, I'm more upset about the USF win than I am upset about the Tennessee loss. And it sounds like a moral victory, and I get that, but Anthony Richardson, this kid carried this football team the whole game. Couldn't run the ball very well. Didn't play great defense. Anthony Richardson, 453 passing yards, two touchdowns, two rushing touchdowns. He carried this game. I mean, Justin Shorter, 155 yards. Persall, 103. Xavier Henderson, 68. Keon Zipper, 62. Trent Whittemore, 31. Xanders, 18. Bowman, not the DeMarcus Bowman, the other Bowman, 16 yards. All those two stat lines right there, and I think it's I think it's actually Justin Shorter's second 100-yard game or third. I, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I'll have to look that up. But... When you go down and you look at offensive stats, it's all passing stats. I mean, we had 141 rushing yards, but 62 of them, almost, 50, I would say about 30, about 40% of those rushing yards all came from Anthony Richardson. ETN, nine runs of 35. Naquan Wright, 
eight runs of 26. Montrell Johnson, eight runs of 18. That's it. The longest run of the running backs was for 14 yards from Trevor Etienne. <laughs> I don't know what was going on in this offensive line. They did decent in pass protection. I won't say that they did great, but they did decent. But in run blocking, they were awful. <laughs> Anthony Richardson carried this game on his back. So I have to give my hat and, and, and tip my hat to Anthony Richardson. And if I had a grade to grade the Gators, he wouldn't get an A-plus just based on, I mean, he had some throws that were open that he kind of overthrew. So I got to knock off a little bit of points, but it's a close A-plus. He's definitely getting an A. This guy, as I said, carried this team. 594 total offensive yards. The only problem is we gave up 576 right back to Tennessee, which gives me reminiscence of the 2020 season with Kyle Trask. This defense still has not gone anywhere. <laughs> we'll get into that too because that's the bad part. But I really, before we break everything down, I really want to, as I said, Anthony Richardson, we, we said before this game, well, how's he going to fare in a hostile environment if he's talking about losing his confidence and, uh, you know, or everybody's saying he's playing scared? You heard, heard all the rumors out there. We questioned that. We said, what's he going to look like going into Nayland Stadium, 100,000 screaming fans? Is he just going to fold again? <laughs> the kid didn't fold. As a matter of fact, the kid made up probably for all the passing yards he's had in the last three games. <laughs> I mean, so you have to tip your hat. So now we know coming out of this game, it's not a confidence issue with Anthony Richardson. And Denny Thompson even said that. Like, he's good. Anthony Richardson's good. He's st it, we're starting to see Anthony Richardson kind of assert himself in this office. Now, going into this game, Tennessee was 88th in passing defense, as I said last week. So that's where I said we could take advantage, and we did. So, and a lot of people say, well, it, Tennessee, now they're probably ranked, I would say Tennessee's passing defense is probably going to be ranked in the hundreds after this game. What was USF's passing defense ranked? It was pretty bad, too. He didn't look too good against them. So you have to tip your hat. Anthony Richardson improved from, from USF to Tennessee, passing-wise. That's all I wanted to see. So I'm happy with our quarterback moving forward, and hopefully Jack Miller, he, he's probably well-rested as well and, and, and working on that thumb issue he has. Hopefully we get him back, too. But I loved what I saw from Anthony Richardson. That's all I got to say. Tip your hat to Anthony Richardson. He carried this game. He kept us in this game when it was 38-27. to 27. Now, there were some breakdowns. Of course, the, the fumble, that, that was on him. Uh, that was, that was going to be a score, too. That could have put us up to right up there with Tennessee. And, uh, you know, there were, some other, there were some other spots in this game. I remember, you know, Tennessee being pinned deep in their territory. And it was third down, and Brenton Cox had a sack. He missed the sack. Tennessee converts the third down. Then they drive it all the way down the field for a touchdown. That's point number one. <laughs> number two is when it was third down for Tennessee. They snapped the ball over Hennon Hooker's head. Put it, it, it would have been a field goal attempt if they didn't convert the third down. Instead, it took them out of the field goal attempt and made them have to punt. One of our players jumps off sides, gives them the first down they score. Got to play better than that. Defense did horrible this game. Now, it's nothing to take away from Tennessee's quarterback. Hennon Hooker has been the most consistent, best quarterback I've seen in the SEC in a while. And I said that last week, so I'm not taking anything away from Hennon Hooker or this Tennessee offense, but Hennon Hooker stats, 22 for 28, 349 yards, two touchdowns, 79% completion rating. 
Pretty good stats. That's the stats that you want at your quarterback. Now, as I said, I, I have to tap tap. You have to tip your hat, to Anthony Richardson. He outperformed Hennon Hooker, not in completion rating, but in passing yards. He competed with the best quarterback in the SEC right now. So you have to tip your hat. Only problem is Hennon Hooker, 112 rushing yards. Jabari Small, 90 rushing yards. Jalen Wright, 25. Florida gave up 227 total rushing yards. 349 yards passing. What are we doing on defense, guys? Let's go to coverage stats real quick because, you know, I, I posted something on Twitter. It got a lot of traction. And I'll read the tweet. It said, Trading led the team in coverage yards, give it up with 134 yards, give it up in five receptions for an average of 26.8 Saturday. He also leads the team in total yards given up for the year and missed tackles and run defense. Hate to point the finger, but we may need to try something different. That was the tweet. I did take it down because people were tagging coaches and players. And, and you know, I know that's not on me because I can't account for what other people say on Twitter and how they quote tweet things and all that sort of mess. But this thing got like retweeted 300 times. I get a direct message from said player. I'm not going to repeat what he said, but in my mind, I'm thinking to myself, okay, if you're mad about the stat line I posted, play better. If you don't like the statistic, play better. As I said before, I, I'm going to tip my hat to all the great things that Florida does, but I'm also going to point out all the bad things that Florida does too because at the end of the day, there needs to be improvement in parts of the team and we need to see more of the good things in the parts of the team. It's nothing against trading. It's nothing against Jason Marshall, Amari Bernie, Trevor, you know, Trevez Johnson, Jadarius Perkins, anybody. It's nothing against them. I'm going to point out the glaring issues and where things probably need to be fixed. Am I saying replace trading? No. But put them in a better position to make plays. Or, or, or maybe you do replace them. I don't know. That's not my decision. I'm not a head coach. But as I said, if you don't like any kind of stat lines that are out there about you, play better. That's all I got to say. So as I said, trading gave up 134 yards, the most yards given up by a Florida Gator player for this game. Amari Bernie was responsible for giving up 66 yards. Jason Marshall, 53 on three receptions. Trevez, 28. Perkins, 24. Devin Moore, 17. I mean, it goes a little bit lower each time. But you go and look back at film, and I know Gator Nation Football Podcast does a lot of good film breakdowns, so does Zeth Varnador. I know sometimes these statistics out here on these sites can maybe pick the wrong player and giving up yards because it could be on the other guy and missing his assignment. I get that. But it, the eye test tells you something different. All you got to do is look at the film. You know which player isn't performing. It's, it, it's pretty obvious. And, and, and as I said, I'm, I'm not calling it out. I'm not saying replace them. Something's got to be done. That's it. Coaching staff's got to figure something out. Billy Napier alluded to that too in his press conference. And actually, I'll go ahead and play the clip right now. Yeah, no, we haven't met our objective a couple, couple weeks in a row here on third down. Um, you know, I think when we watch the defensive tape, you know, it's, it's simple. You know, it's one player not doing what he's supposed to do quite often, right? It's a guy busting the coverage. It's a guy not in his pass rush lane. It's a guy misfitting a run. You know, I mean, we, it's a lot of good on the tape, but uh, I think you talk about playing team defense, you got to have 11 players. Uh, doing what they're supposed to do. So uh, we gave up explosive plays in the game as a result of mental errors. You know, it's that simple. So, um, 
you know, I think that we've got to do our part as teachers and as coaches and as leaders to help the players, and then the players uh, have, have to have the discipline to execute in, in critical moments. There you go. You heard it from Billy Napier himself. Everybody's got two eyes. Everybody on social media does. I have two eyes. We know who it is. We know who the usual suspects are. It's not just one guy, though. <laughs> it's mainly one guy. But there's other guys out there, too. But you heard Billy Napier say it. But at the same time, got to kind of fault the coaching staff a little bit. Why is said player, whoever it is, out there on the field still? Or why is he not put in a better position to be successful at a different position or somewhere else? Or maybe a different kind of scheme or, I don't know, I'm not a head coach. That's something they get paid millions of dollars to figure out. Something's got to be done there. That was awful. It was completely awful. But, as I said, on the coaching staff as well, too, you got to be able to put your players in a better position to win winning football. At the same time, if they got to be... If you got to replace the guy, just replace him. I, I I don't I don't know what the issue is there. But as I said, I I, I want to get you know past this and, and some of the bad stuff here. And so we'll go ahead and we'll just do like a little comparison from here to from Florida to Tennessee here. Now, as I said, Florida had more total offensive yards, five ninety four to Tennessee's five seventy six. They also had more pass yards, four fifty three to Tennessee's three forty nine. Tennessee did outrush them, though, 227 to 141. Penalties, um, this is funny, and I made a joke about this. This isn't anything that I'm upset about or, or anything like that. Billy Napier, he, he stresses undisciplined penalties and gives his team a 15-yard penalty. <laughs> uh, uh, it's just a joke. I, I'm not going after him for that. But uh, you, you got to be aware as a coach, too, in those situations not to do that. But I understand he got emotional and all that other kind of stuff happened, so it, it is what it is there. Florida with only 10 penalties, 47 yards. Tennessee with six for 50. I mean, that's 10 penalties, though. And I know, you know, Billy Napier does not stress that many penalties per game. He did cause one of them, though, so he can't really say anything. But that's still nine penalties for the team itself. Uh, Got to get better a little bit there. Florida actually had more first downs than Tennessee. They had 31 to Tennessee's 27. Third downs, they were 7 of 15 to Tennessee's 6 to 9. Fourth downs, I cannot believe we went forward on fourth down that much. We made five of six fourth down plays. Tennessee made zero. It didn't seem like they did, but they did. Uh, total plays, 87 to Tennessee 70. Average yards per play, Florida 6.8, Tennessee 8.2. Average yards per completion, Florida 18.9, Tennessee 15.9. Average yards per rush, Florida only 3.4, which is insanely bad. And Tennessee 5.4, which is pretty modest, 5.4. Red zone, four trips for six. Tennessee were six for six in the red zone. We talked about red zone defense for a little bit and how Florida had improved their red zone defense. Not this game. <laughs> Tennessee six for six in the red zone. Now, I said this last week, I said, if Florida could keep Tennessee's offense off the field, we have a chance of this football game. And if you were to tell me that Florida owned the time of possession, 34 minutes and 56 seconds, threw for 453, two touchdowns, two rushing touchdowns from Anthony Richardson, I would have told you we won this football game. We didn't win the football game. Florida, 34 minutes and 56 seconds. Tennessee, only 25 minutes and four seconds. So the game plan was there. They, they executed the game plan and that asset of the game. Billy Napier talked about it at his press conference, controlling the clock against a high-powered offense like Tennessee. No. Turnovers. 
two on two on Florida. Technically one. I, I don't count the Hail Mary interceptions because I mean the, they're fifty fifty balls, and most of the time Hail Mary balls aren't that successful anyway. Richardson was pressured as well. Uh, the offensive line didn't hold contain. Throws it up for a pick, ends the football game. But he did have one fumble, and Tennessee scored seven off of it. And I said, if if Florida, I said to, before the game too, I said Tennessee's fumbling the ball like crazy. They did. They they got some fumbles. They got some turnovers. They executed two fumbles. But when we got the fumbles, we didn't score any points off of them. Tennessee took advantage of of one out of two turnovers and scored seven. That kind of hurt you there a little bit. Sacks. We got pressure. Three sacks. Tennessee only had one. Tackles for loss. We had five. Tennessee had four. This defensive line played pretty pretty decent. I can't say that they played phenomenal, but they got pressure. They sacked Hennon Hooker. They almost made him injure his shoulder, too. We, we thought he was going to be out of the game, but it looks like Hooker was was fine, especially when he throws a big bomb <laughs> afterwards. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Florida, if you go look at it statistically, dominated Tennessee in most of these categories and still lost the game. Can't give up 600 yards of offense. I, I mean, you can't turn the ball over either. I mean, Richardson fumbled the ball. You can't turn that over, but we, we beat Tennessee in turnovers, really, technically, because I don't count the Hail Mary. Got to score points off turnovers. You also got to make field goals. That's what really kind of iced this game for us, especially going forward on fourth downs a couple of times, uh, you know, not getting that one fourth down instead of just kicking a field goal there or kicking a field goal in certain other situations. But, I mean, you can play the what-if game. At the end of the day, it's it, it's it's kind of Florida's fault a little bit. But like I said, Tennessee, they shredded us offensively. So you have to give it to them too. Big glaring issue I kind of see on score by quarter. Zero first quarter points for Florida. Tennessee only had three, but didn't get off to a fast start at all. Now, you come out in the second quarter, you get 14 points, but you let Tennessee get 14 right back. Remember how we talked about third quarter coming out of halftime? Third quarter, zero points. Florida got that monkey off their back. Third quarter points, seven. Better than zero. Only problem, Tennessee with 14. Florida did come out in the fourth quarter to get 12 points, got an onside kick that gave Florida hope to maybe come back and win this football game and making Tennessee almost Tennessee again. Didn't happen. 12 fourth quarter points, Tennessee seven. As I said, pass rush did pretty well. Amari Bernie actually did really good in pass rush. So I I have to give, even though he gave up the, the second most coverage yards of the team, I have to give him credit, man, in pass rush. Two sacks, quarterback hurry, as a team, Florida had three sacks and 13 quarterback hurries. So Amari Bernie was responsible for two sacks, pass rush. You can't really blame Amari Bernie for bad play. I mean, he he made plays, he gave up plays, but he also made plays in return. Shamar James had one too. Like what I see from Shamar James. Hopefully we see him more on the field in the future. Florida, on the other hand, they gave up a sack. A couple quarterback contacts. Only eight total pressures. That's not, not, not bad. Uh, I mean, you actually, Anthony Richardson, when he was pressured, he, he was able to either run out of it or respond with a with a good pass play for the most part. So the quarterback did his job when he was being pressured. I know, I know all offensive lines aren't perfect. They're going to give up pressures. But how do you respond as a quarterback? Richardson did pretty well. And this is the stat that I like. On deep passes, 20-plus yards or more, Anthony Richardson was only 50%, 6 for 12, but 200 
and 10 yards. 17.5 yards per attempt. One touchdown. Did, did throw that pick at the end, but we obviously know what that was. But six first downs from that on passes from 10 to 19 yards. 72%, 128 yards, 11.6 yards per attempt. On passes 0 to 9, short passes, 81.8%. 103 yards, 9.4. Can't be upset with that. Short passes, obviously you should be a good completion rating in that category. Now, there was some drops here too. And 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 because a lot of people said, oh, well, he he only had a 55% completion rating. And I believe a spike counts as a, a throw that's not complete, so I don't count a spike. And his receivers dropped two passes this game. Uh, he did throw some inaccurate ones as well. But for the most part, even though the completion rating didn't look that well, I'll take 55% completion rating if you're putting up 453 yards of offense passing through the air. I, I, I'm okay with that. So we, we almost got a clean game from Richardson. He did fumble the ball, put the ball on the ground at one time. As I said, I don't count the Hail Mary for an interception. So he's almost perfect in not turning over the football. And he played a good game. You couldn't ask more from Anthony Richardson. And, and as I said, the offensive line statistics look good, but when you go to passing pressure, he was kept clean 57.1% of the time and under pressure 42.9% of the time. So the offensive line, <laughs> as far as getting pressure off the quarterback and, and some of the blocks from maybe the tight ends or running backs that were out there, uh, they didn't do too good. I mean, they, they did okay. I, I can't even really say they did okay. They, I, to me, just looking at it, he was getting pressure in his face. It looked like almost it looked like almost all game, but it wasn't. But when he was kept clean, he was 19 for 27, 386, 70.4% completion rating, two passing touchdowns, 14.3 yards per attempt. When he was under pressure, he was only 5 for 18, only 27.8%, 67 yards. I mean... The average 10.1 yards per attempt, as I said, 453 yards. Can't, can't, can't sit here and fault Anthony Richardson for any kind of bad statistic when he was under pressure. He had pressure in his face all night and still kept Florida in that football game. The, the only thing that really bothered me that that happened, and it was the play call. It was That was the play call for, I guess, the, the play is the fourth down. And I can't remember which drive it was. There was a fourth down play where I think it was like a fourth and one or fourth and two. And he throws the ball deep. And I'm like, oh, no. Why didn't you just get the first down? Justin Shorter, very accurate pass thrown by Anthony Richardson. Two Shorter gets the first down for a big explosive play. So um, <laughs> it was scary. It's I, I don't think I would have called that play in that situation, but I guess they did, and it, it was successful. So uh, as I, said, I, I saw more accurate passes from Richardson. I saw him scramble out of the pocket. And, and, you know, it's what I, going back and look at a little bit of a film too, Tennessee, when, when, when Anthony Richardson was rolling out with quarterback rollouts, they, they just had so much trouble. I mean, they gave up a total of 87 yards on the left side of the field. On the right side of the field, they gave up 100. But, man, Anthony Richardson down the middle. I mean, and this is where you can tell if a quarterback plays really well as an actual quarterback or not is they're down the middle passes, right where the safeties are at, right where the linebackers meet everybody else. I mean, throwing down the middle, check these stats out. He was 256 passing, 16 of 17, 94% completion rating down the middle between the numbers. You, that, that's good quarterback play right there. I'm sorry, that's good passing quarterback play. Of course, I mean, obviously you throw it left or right, that doesn't, it doesn't really mean much of anything. It's, you you got to be accurate in all sides of the football field but just going in between the numbers man he killed 
Tennessee. So you got, as I said, props to him, man. Props to Anthony Richardson. Now here's the dreaded run defense stats that um, not too particularly <laughs> wanting to read. I will say, uh, you know, according to the, stat, the stats that I'm looking up, they only had two missed tackles in run defense. One was from Tradine, one was from Rashad Torrance. But uh, at the same time, there was a lot of green grass in front of those Tennessee players when they were running the football. They got to the second level pretty easy. That's an issue. I can understand if the player's there and he misses the tackle, got to work on tackling, but there was nobody there. Nobody at all. Tennessee, 241 total yards rushing. I know the other sites have them at like 227, but this site doesn't count negative plays, and I like the fact that they don't count negative plays because it just shows you what the defense is actually giving up. I mean, when there's a negative play, of course, you got to count it as well. So it's whatever you kind of like to look for. But Tennessee averaged 7.3 yards per attempt rushing the football. 3.67 yards after contact. 10-plus yard runs, 7. 15 total first downs just running the football. Not going to get it done, especially to a high-passing offensive team. When you're giving up that much rushing yards to a team that mainly is a good passing team, you're not winning that football game whatsoever. And as a matter of fact, if I told you that Tennessee was going to have 600 yards of offense and they were going to rush 200-plus yards this game, you would probably think Florida was going to lose the football game and get blown out. They didn't. And of course, they still did lose, but they didn't get blown out. They only lost by five with an onside kick to, to, to almost come back and win the football game. Very, very good quarterback play from Anthony Richardson. Carried this team through the football game. So, anyway... My general thoughts on just what happened Saturday, and as I said, I, you know, I, I hate to lose, and I'm not going to be happy about a loss, but I saw improvement from the team. Now, obviously, defensively, there's still a lot <laughs> to be worked on here, but you go back, you look at the, the, the rushing statistics from USF last week, okay? It was pretty much the same. I think they had 250 yards rushing. Got to work on stopping the run. Of course, you gave up plays back there in the backfield too, but man... The run defense, it's, uh, it's so bad. Like, that's 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 the killer right there. I mean, if Florida would have held Tennessee to maybe 100, 120, they'd probably win the football game. Maybe. Or Tennessee just probably passes for 400. I don't know. The way that that defensive backfield was playing, I can't blame everybody in the defensive backfield, but we all know, as I said, usual suspects. The way that they were playing, Tennessee probably could have just passed for more yardage, I, I would assume, but... At the same time, you know, it is what it is, I guess, at the end of the day. It's obvious there's one part of this team is improving and the other part isn't. Offense and defense, figure it out. You know what it is. So hopefully when we go into the Eastern Washington game, which really isn't going to tell me a lot um, unless Florida just has a bad game like they did against USF, it's not going to tell me a lot about the defense or offense, but it will show me, you know, maybe where coaches maybe put in different players, maybe try some new things. And hopefully it doesn't wind up like the USF game. And hopefully we can just kind of, you know, get a blowout victory and, and see different guys. And, and I'll say this too. I, I don't even know if that game's going to happen. Scott Strickland came out on Twitter and said that the game is still currently, you know, booked for noon, but you keep us updated because I know about the hurricane out there. As well for all you guys down there in Florida. I'm up here in Woodstock, Georgia. We really obviously don't get as many hurricane force winds as Florida does. So uh, hopefully that game can be played and hopefully there's minimal damage from that hurricane. I highly doubt that because hurricanes, uh, I think it's like a category four. But um, 
Yeah, hopefully that game can be played, but as far as that, even if the game doesn't get played, I just hope everybody out there is safe and nothing happens to anybody down there in the state of Florida. So uh, we'll see. We'll see if they play Eastern Washington next week. I really want to concentrate on what was said in today's press conference, and we will do that on the second part of getting swamped. But as I said, you know, we saw improvement from the team Saturday. (laughs) Not any defensive improvement whatsoever, but at least we got some offensive improvement. So it's a step in the right direction, but uh, we're, we're still going to have to work on a lot of things coming down the stretch because LSU's coming up. A&M's coming up, Georgia's coming up, got to get prepared, got to figure some things out before those games because you're kind of running at a little bit of a time here. So, you know, Eastern Washington, Missouri, I, w- I would assume both of those would be wins for the football team. Let's hope that uh, we don't have one of those USF or Kentucky performances down the road again and maybe some of these guys on offense figured it out. And hopefully some of the guys in defense and some of the coaches can figure some things out on this defense because right now it's just not looking good. So anyway... Let's cover the presser from today, actually, and we will do that on the second part of Getting Swamped, coming up. Need a sign for your company, your man cave, your live stream or podcast? Give my guy Brandon White a shout out at White & Sons Wood Carving. He has the best handcrafted signs nationally, all custom fit for your needs. With state-of-the-art paint and epoxy, you can have that glow of your sign, too, with some custom LEDs as a package as well. Give him a shout-out on Twitter, at WS Woodcarving. You can also follow him on Twitch and check out his Facebook page at White & Sons Woodcarving. Top-of-the-line signs made from scratch. Man, I am so... Happy and glad I took the over on Anthony Richardson this week. And man, I took it to the bank on my birthday. I knew Anthony Richardson was going to pass for over 200 yards. I put him in my fantasy league, and it came straight to the bank with that one, baby. And you can take it to the bank, too, when you sign up for prizepicks.com with promo code SWAMPED. Join prizepicks right now with promo code SWAMPED to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks offers every sport you can think of and also allows you to mix it up with your favorite athletes or esports players all in one fantasy draft. You can choose from anybody, just about any sport there is out there like MMA, soccer, esports, basketball, football, golf, baseball, you name it. Prize Picks has you covered here, folks. So let your boy David Soderquist get you off to a good start at prizepicks.com when you sign up with promo code SWAP to receive a 100% Instant deposit match up to $100 on your very first deposit. PrizePicks.com. Daily Fantasy Simplified. You're listening to the Getting Swamped Podcast with your host, David Soderquist. Your number one source for all things college football and Florida Gators. All right, guys. We, uh, you know, obviously... Uh, back from the Tennessee game, kind of turned the page. A uh, lot to learn from that experience. Um, you know, the collective effort of our team, offense, defense, and special teams, we made a few too many mistakes to win the game. Um, it's, it's, that's as simple as you can put it. Um, you know, I think Tennessee's got a f- good football team. When you play a team of that caliber, you know, those mistakes are too much to overcome. I was proud of the intangibles the team showed. Uh, there was no question. We were ready to play. We were ready to compete. Um, we embraced this, the big stage and the opportunity that came with it. 
Um, and I thought we showed uh, togetherness. I thought we showed uh, competitive spirit. There was some fight there. There was physicality. There was toughness. Um, you know, and we're in a similar situation relative to the execution. Um, so, you know, it's, um, you know, we talk about winning football. What does winning football look like? Um, and I think we got closer in some areas, but we still uh, got a ways to go there. But, um, you know, we very proud of the response from the players yesterday. You know, I think we all, we get in, sometimes in life, we get in these situations where maybe we don't like our circumstances um, and we can't control that, right? But we can control how, to, how we respond to those things. Um, you know, I think each day attitude is a choice. I think effort is a choice. Uh, there are, it's always going to be that way the rest of life. And uh, certainly for our football team, uh, that, that is the approach. You know, I think you got to choose your vision over your circumstances, right? You got to have a big picture of where you want to go, and you got to simplify that and do the things necessary to get there independent of the circumstance. So, you know, we really challenged the coaching staff and the players what can you do to help? What can you do to improve? Uh, really taking a, a good uh, look at your weekly process to get ready. Uh, not only the things that are required, but what about the unrequired work, right? Um, and I think Inky Johnson, you know, when he spoke to our team earlier in training camp, he said, hard work is a given. You know, as separators, the unrequired work, right? So as teachers, as um, coaches, as leaders, and certainly as players on our team, I think everybody um, – excited about how they responded yesterday and we turned the page eastern washington it's going to be great to be back in the swamp we're hopeful that that um, happens and certainly eastern washington when you dig into the history and the culture of the program they have a winning tradition uh, they're very respected uh, across the country for the quality of football that they play this is a consistent playoff contender and one that's made some great runs so you know myself being a former FCS player, I've got a ton of respect uh, for the program that they run there. So, um, you know, we've started that preparation and look forward to the challenge. Yeah, there was definitely fight in this Florida team, and they didn't go away, man. And he makes a good point. Uh, this team didn't fold. I mean, you think the game is over when it's 38 to 27? Not the case, man. Florida competed and, and, and actually almost came back and won that football game. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of things to work on, but I, I like what Billy says here about the attitude and effort being a choice. It is a choice for your attitude and effort to be at a certain level every day, every day when you wake up. He's, you know, he also talks about choosing your vision over your circumstance. Look, uh, Billy knows what Dan Mullen left him. He knows the position Florida's in. He's concentrated on what he can do now and the vision going forward. That's the only thing you could do in this certain situation. So he hits the nail on the head there. He also talks about completing the required work, but what about the non-required work? Are you still putting in effort in your daily life that's not required and carrying it over from your required work? That's really cool words of wisdom there from Napier, if you ask me. So, uh, yeah, man, uh, Napier is, as I said, as a head coach, man, he, he knows where he needs to be. He knows what he has to do to get this football team back on track. So, uh, I, I like what he said there. I, I really do. Let, let, let's continue on with what else he had to say. Yeah, Coach, we didn't get a chance to ask you after the game, but can you just take us through your process for the two-point conversion? 
conversion going from trying to go from 17 to 9, you go from 17 to 11 there. Uh, was it, did it have a lot to do with being on the road, facing a Tennessee, Tennessee team you didn't expect to stop? Yeah, no, I think I'm, I'm glad you asked that question, you know, because I think I probably got more questions about that than anything else. But, um, you know, there's two avenues uh, when you really dig into the numbers about the approach there. Um, you know, first of all, you start talking about playing for a tie, right? When you're on the, when you're on the road, there's a slight advantage for the home team in overtime, right? And then there's certainly a bigger advantage when you're a two-score favorite, right? I think it's about around 60, 63% advantage if you're the home team playing overtime and you're a two-point favorite or a two-score favorite. So that goes into your decision-making. And really all you're trying to do is is declare the path earlier in the game, right? Uh, so you go for two there, and if you, if you get it, you're at nine. Okay, now you're in position to win the game with an extra point, whereas if you don't get it, now you're still two scores with an additional opportunity to go for two, right? So if you kick it, ultimately the numbers are going to tell you to go for two to win the game anyway at the end of the game, right? So you're just declaring the path quicker, uh, and then that gives you a chance to adjust your strategy the rest of the game. So, um, you know, this is, this is pretty common. Uh, in this era, right, in the, probably the last five years, has been this has happened a number of times. So I think it's all well thought out of. And, and really going into the game, we're very aware of um, all the go-for-two situations and what goes with that. So the chart is set up long before the game, and it changes weekly. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's all, it's all relative to the, the dynamic of the game, how much time's left in the game. Um, the matchups going into the game. How about venue with that too? Like you said, yeah, road. Yeah. Absolutely. There's no question. Yeah, so Billy Napier giving a little bit, you know, the explanations of the fourth down tries there. I mean, Florida's obviously successful. They were five for six. I mean, if you're that successful, you're throwing the football down the field pretty well. Uh, why not go for it on fourth down? Uh, some of them were in, in deep territory, too, and it scared me. As I said, the Justin Shorter one was the big one that really scared me. I was like, why are they passing it deep, man? Well, they just get the first down, but it was successful. It was caught in it. Now, could you imagine if it was dropped and Tennessee scored on that? Uh, ouch, that would have been bad. But, uh, yeah, a little bit more of an explanation there for all the fourth down, you know, plays and all that other kind of things. But, I mean, you go back, you look at that game. There is a couple of times where Florida maybe should have just kicked the field goal and took the three. Uh, but at the end of the day, man, um, as I said, you can play what ifs and, you know, you know, talking about you know, the, the offsides and the, the high snap over the quarterback's head. Uh, the missed sack by Brenton Cox. I mean, you could go on and on about the what-ifs, but at the end of the day, the final result's the final result. But at least we got a little bit of clarification from Billy Napier of why he called those plays and what the chances were and all that. So some really good, like, uh, I guess, analytical type of approach that uh, I guess Billy Napier and the staff took there. And uh, as I said, they went five for six on fourth down. So, I, I mean, you, you really can't can't blame them. I mean, they are pretty successful on fourth downs. Yeah, no, I, I've got no issue with the decision. I mean, heck, we should have – we tip our own pass or we, we get the two-point conversion, right? So, 
I mean, we got the right play. We made the right decision, you know. Um, you know, I mean, this is one of those paths you go down where, you know, a lot of people don't understand, but, you know, we're going to base our um, decision-making off of, you know, research and evidence and true facts, you know, and numbers. So it is what it is, you know. Yeah, good explanation there about that two-point conversion play. I mean, it, it, the play was there. I mean, it, it did get tipped and uh, should have been caught. Should have been an actual two-point conversion. You got to think that puts Florida in a better position to, to kick a field goal at the end, maybe, instead of having to get a touchdown <laughs> to win the game. They could have tied it, went to overtime. But to, to be honest, the way that this defense – who knows? Who knows what would have happened in, in, in overtime? The way that both defenses were playing, <laughs> giving up yardage, uh, it could have went into 20 overtimes by, the, by that time. But, uh, you know – it was one of those decisions that, you know, was a smart one. I would have done it. So uh, it just didn't happen. And that thing, things like that happen in a game. We, as I said, we can play the what if game all we want. But at the end of the day, the final score is the final score. You learn from it, you move on. And uh, it's pretty much it. Well, he had a, he probably had his best week of practice. I uh, thought he was really tuned in to the preparation throughout the week. Um, and I think the matchup was different, right? I mean, we played South Florida. We could turn around and hand the ball off pretty consistently. Um, and, you know, maybe um, he wasn't maybe in the, in the groove, if that makes sense. But um, we knew going into the park that we were going to give him the ball and let him go play. You know, we'll continue to do that. Um, it's just part of him being a young player. No different than you draft an NFL quarterback, you know, in the first round and, hey, he's your guy, you know, let's go. You know, I mean, there's been a number of rookie quarterbacks that have been through that same process, if that makes sense. So, um, you know, I think the big thing for him is I saw him kind of flip the switch as a competitor, you know, and really just get consumed with – Hey, look, this is my team. I'm going to take my team. We're going to beat your team. I'm going to do everything I can do to help my teammates and help our team win. Uh, and just competing, right, and not really worrying about anything else, what anybody thinks or, um, you know, how things are going. Just like what is the next decision that I need to make to help the team win? And uh, I think ultimately that's where I saw a little bit of growth from him and he was enjoying it, right? I mean, he was embracing it, right? He was in his element, uh, which I think ultimately as a player, um, that's how the game's supposed to be played. And that's why it's fun to play, right? And uh, I could say the same thing about coaching. So, you know, I think um, I'm, I'm proud of Anthony and how he, you know, because there's a lot of noise and all that. You can get caught up in that. But I, he didn't, right? He he really showed up and did his job for the team. Really good to hear those kind of words from your starting quarterback, from your head coach. Uh, yeah, man, it looked uh, completely night and day different Anthony Richardson out there. And as he said, he didn't let the noise bother him. He was out there having fun. He was embracing the moments. He was uh, high-fiving teammates, doing all sorts of stuff like that. So, uh 
hopefully, you know, he could carry that forward in the, in the games to come. Obviously, we don't want to see another mishap with like a USF team or a Kentucky team down the road. So as I said, man, hopefully this was one of those that that game that you know, solidified Anthony Richardson as the starting quarterback for the University of Florida. Uh, you know, obviously, he got his confidence up, uh, I would assume. And hopefully, you don't want to be too, I'm not even going to say airy, you just don't want to be too confident, but you want to be confident enough in your game that you can win the game for your team every single game. So uh, I like what I heard from, uh, you know, Billy Napier there. And I'm kind of glad Richardson got the uh, the monkey off of his back, especially the uh, passing touchdown monkey as well. So uh, really good words to hear from your head coach. No, I think it's, uh, you know, I think that secondary in particular is a position much like our entire team uh, where, you know, we play well at times, but we're a little bit inconsistent at times, right? And um, I think each position on our team, I know sometimes the the magnifying lens gets put on certain plays or certain, you know, situations as you follow the ball. Um, but I do think that they're much like every position on our team. They're, they do a lot of things well, but we're looking for more consistency. You know, uh, we've got to do the simple things well, right? Um, there's, you know, a dozen plays in that game where Florida beats Florida, if that makes sense. You know, and you know we've always taken great pride in being a team that doesn't give the opponent anything, right? You're going to have to earn every inch that you get when you play our team. So um, we, we're still not there, right? We're still learning our systems. Uh, we're still learning how to adjust to playing different systems. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of repetition and growth and um, that needs to take place there to get to be the type of football team that we want to be. Last two questions, guys. We'll go to Nick and Jacob. Coach, you talked about um, beating yourself. It seems like kickoff returns that when guys are bringing it out, you're not getting it. To the yeah. Time. And then there's some blocking the backs and penalties that are setting you back even further. Do you adjust? Absolutely. Yeah, there's no question. Uh, and I, I think you kind of saw that within the game. But, you know, those are frustrating, right? Because in my opinion, those are undisciplined penalties, right? Some of those in particular. Right, those are decision making, right? Where you're doing something that you know is absolutely not in the best interest of the team. Um, and then I do think, as from a strategy perspective, um, we need to make better decisions relative to when we bring the ball out and when we don't. Right. So uh, I think we're learning there, and uh, there's no question we need to adjust our strategy there. The penalties are what I, I'm. I really struggle with. Yeah. I mean, defensively, this is the position that struggles the most for this Florida Gators football team through four games, at least right now. Um, I could have picked both offense and defense, but uh, offense played pretty well. But uh, as I said, when you look at the defense, too, it's not just giving up explosive plays. You don't want to give up explosive plays. The problem, the big issue I had with yesterday's game is when there's a receiver out in the open, there's nobody around him. I mean, if it was a 50-50 ball or a contested football, they gave it up. Okay, that happens in games. But you were there to try to make the play. Or you were there to make the play, whether it was a 50-50 or maybe the wide receiver got a couple steps on you. 
No, this was completely green grass, nobody around them, major yards after catch. That's not going to get it done. That's either miscommunication or somebody not doing their job on the football field. And as we said, we can probably figure out who those people are. As far as the special teams, I kind of, as I said, Florida's special teams hasn't been special (laughs) since Urban Meyer left, really. Um, Got to find a different return guy, if you ask me. But I I know they tried some things with Jason Marshall. I don't like him back there. Um, I I don't know, man. As I said, I'm not a coach. If it were me, I would put Lingard back there, but that's just my decision. Um, You miss a field goal there as well, uh, kicking it short a little bit. Uh, you know, special teams, you know, they, they didn't do as great this game. Uh, as he said, uh, the penalties were, were, were bad there too, as well. Um, undisciplined penalties. Uh, Napier actually gave us one too, by the way. <laughs> Sorry. I have to poke fun at Napier a little bit for that, but, uh, yeah, as I said, I'm not going to blame the guy, but, uh, as I said, special teams, you know, obviously they, they, they weren't the best unit out there on the field either. And, and Tennessee, if you look at it here, let me pull up their special teams numbers. They had 61 yards on two returns. That's, uh, that's not good. I mean, giving up 34 yards on a kick return, not really that great, and it looked like Jimmy Holiday was going to bust one too, and uh, just just not not good blocking uh, on the other side of the football uh, for Florida in the uh, kick return game. Florida only had three runs for forty four yards, and their longest was twenty three yards from Xavier Henderson. I just I I don't know. <laughs> uh, something's going to have to be done special teams wise as well. Uh, it wasn't the best game that they've had. Uh, you know, as I said, there's uh, a lot of I guess. I'm just going to say work to to be done on special teams on both sides of the football. So that was just some of the things that Billy Napier said in the press conferences today. And, you know, obviously there's there's things to work on still. At least we it seems like we got one part of the uh, football team figured out. Hopefully uh, they can still be productive there down the stretch. And obviously you got to work on special teams a little bit. And you can't be leaving a lot of turf out there for these receivers to catch out there in the defensive backfield. And speaking of plenty of turf, if you have plenty of turf down there that needs to be treated, your boy David Soderquist can hook you up right now at Manscaped.com when you order your performance package 4.0 from Manscaped.com with promo code SWAMP20 to receive 20% off your order plus free shipping. The Performance Package 4.0 has made my own turf easier to trim, and it gets the job done quick with less nicks, less irritation, especially for those hard-to-reach places out there for all you guys that, that know about that. Manscaped also offers plenty of other products on their site. Their body wash is phenomenal. I use it in the shower daily along with the ball deodorant, and it keeps me clean, pristine, and ready to go. So let your boy David Soderquist hook you up with 20% plus free shipping when you order your Performance Package 4.0 or any other product from Manscaped.com when you use promo code SWAMP20 on your next order. Manscaped.com, the ultimate best in men's grooming. You're listening to Getting Swamped with David Soderquist. All right, Florida falls to Tennessee here in Nayland Stadium, 33-38. to And uh, as I said, man, um, I don't like to lose, but uh, I, it, I felt better about the Tennessee loss than I did the USF win because their team just looked awful at USF. They looked awful against kind of Tennessee. At least one part of the team looked really good Saturday. So 
the coaching staff and the offense and, and, and Anthony Richardson, they're starting to figure things out now. And as I said, teams get better as the football, as the weeks go by in college football. So we'll see what happens. But here, let's read some of the fan comments. I only got a few, so I'll read them all here. Uh, Wes says 0-2 and 22 have to be sat down. Well, <laughs> have to be sat down, talk to, or just sat down and let somebody else play. And, you know, I'm all about letting freshmen play if the position is just playing piss poor like it, it has been it has been the past two games you can't get any worse than what it is put a freshman in there see what they can do but that's just my take on it or if you don't plan on doing that you gotta figure something out with these guys because they're not making plays there's a lot of green grass every time somebody catches a football that's 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 you know if it was 50 50 it would be different people are out of position People aren't making plays, and we obviously know who it is if you just watch the film. So I, I, I obviously I get that. Uh, Jason says no running game really hurt us. Yes, yeah, you're right a little bit. I, I remember earlier in the podcast saying if we had a little bit more rushing yards, maybe 150, 200, in which I thought we would be able to run the football on this Tennessee team. As I said, they weren't giving up a lot, but I thought you know it was just based on the teams that they play. They actually played really good run defense, and our offensive line didn't really couldn't really make holes. So uh, it did hurt us a little bit. Uh, as I said, Richardson had to carry that game. They didn't know we couldn't run the ball. The defense was playing bad. Richardson carried that game for us. So, as I said, tip your hat to Anthony Richardson. It's a good thing that we saw him play like that, and hopefully his attitude down the stretch stays the same way. And I'm not talking about, like, bad attitude. I'm talking about, like, uh, confidence and, and, and all that, like, the past two weeks. I hope that Richardson can be more consistent like this and we don't see another Kentucky or USF game down the road. So I'm not taking any of these teams lightly. Even even Eastern Washington, I'm not taking it lightly because I, I, I've seen two games that, that weren't that great in all aspects of the game. But it's good to see that now there's some sort of improvement. The team's starting to figure it out now. Like, okay, you got offense going. Hopefully that can consistently be something that, you know, they can do down the stretch. And then figure out the defense because – and special teams too. Special teams need some work a little bit too. Uh, but uh, for right now, I, I'm okay with what I'm seeing as long as I'm starting to see a little bit of improvement. And that's what we're getting towards. Uh, Christopher Dyer says, we don't have talent depth to beat elite teams. We do have young, talented guys that play hard, never give up, and well needed them to become leaders as Coach Billy Napier's building the foundation for the future. Need to improve communication on coverage assignments. This is still happening. Yeah, I know. It's still happening. And it's, as I said, I test. You can tell who it is and who it isn't. I'm not saying any words, but uh, yeah, something's got to give there. I mean, as I said, if there's communication issues, if there's any kind of issue, maybe that can be improved somehow with, with those players. If not, as I said, put a freshman in there. Can't get any worse, right? Uh, Bravo Day says, got to find answers at the safety position. 14 points directly attributed to poor play at the position. We know what Dean and Torrance gives us. I'll take freshman mistakes over poor play and continuing mental mistakes by upperclassmen. I actually just said that, so I agree with you there, Bravo, Dave. Uh, as I said, I, I, my Twitter post, I hate to point the finger. I hate it, but it's obvious, man. I'm not going to lie. It's just obvious who's doing it, what's going on in this defense. Something's got to be fixed there. As I said, you improve it in one aspect of the game, maybe they can get better, but doesn't look like it, man. After three games and after last year and what I've seen the year before, I mean, it's it's literally the same guys, it, it seems like. So uh, I don't know. I, I don't know what the coaching staff does here going forward, but uh, hopefully they change something quick and they change it soon because the, the schedule gets pretty rough 
down the stretch after Eastern Washington and uh, Missouri there. Uh, I believe that's a noon game as well. All right, yeah. General thoughts, man, on that game. As I said, not the worst game we've played. There's a lot of positives to take away from from uh, Saturday, a lot of negatives too. So it's not all gloom and doom. Uh, as I said, the, 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 the offense is starting to find a rhythm. So <laughs> at least we got that for us. Uh, obviously, Eastern Washington, hopefully, uh, I don't even know if it's going to get played, as I said, the hurricane and all of that. So I uh, uh, hope everybody in Florida's safe. Uh, that's my main concern. If the game doesn't get played, it doesn't get played. Uh, I'm not going to worry too much about it. Uh, I would like for it to get played just so the team gets more experience, um, you know, some of the aspects of the game. But if it doesn't get played, it doesn't get played. But I will say this. I've been in all these Twitter spaces, and Miami fans are silent right now. And I said this. I put this on Twitter. I said, we might be a Florida team losing to Tennessee bad, but we're not a Florida team losing to Middle Tennessee bad. And that's my final thought, right? <laughs> so all you Florida Gator fans out there that uh, might be a little upset about that, uh, it could be worse, man. You could be uh, Mario Cristobal and uh, consistently proving statistically that when he has more talent, he he doesn't get the most out of it and gets beat by teams with way less talent. As I've said in the in the past, it's, it's statistically proven. If you go on Wikipedia, look anything up, all the recruiting class he's had, he's consistently lost games he shouldn't lose. And that's a coaching issue. So Miami, uh, if you like your Mario Cristobal and your good recruiting classes, go ahead. It's it's not getting any better if you if you ask me. <laughs> that's my opinion. But folks, that will do it for this episode of Getting Swamped. And uh, I want to say thank you all for the birthday wishes as well. I, I got a lot of those. I could, if I didn't reply to them, I tried to reply to all of them. I, I just obviously it's 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 a lot. <laughs> I didn't even reply to some of my family members. I still got to send them text back. Uh, I just been busy. Um, yeah, I, I wasn't feeling good Sunday when I woke up. So that's why I, uh, delayed the podcast till Monday, because when you get at 38, you get a little bit older like me, it takes some, uh, it takes a while to recover from, from those benders. Uh, it, they don't come around often, you know, uh, you only have one birthday a year. So I went out there, I enjoyed it with my family and, uh, had my, uh, had my wife take my phone from me as well. So I, uh, you know, didn't say anything stupid, uh, to anybody, so, but folks that will do it. For this episode of Getting Swamped, your latest in football statistics, special guests, and social media. Thank you for listening to Getting Swamped.